Hi, I'm Caroline Carey, and you know, I'm always inspired by other people's life stories. So I listen for the soul journey that is interwoven between each individual's experiences throughout their life. Join me to hear for yourself how each narrative becomes a transformative and inspiring message for us all. Enjoy the podcasts. I wanted to have a conversation with somebody around the exploration of learning styles and our education system. I got talking to Sean Bennett um, about his experiences with that and where that's taken him. Now we got talking about him being part of the army cadets, wanting to be a policeman, um, how he was brought up in a family that, uh, that fostered many children and how he always wanted to help others. He introduced me to his wife, Donna, who's an educator herself. And it was really interesting to hear her take on it, being a kinesthetic learner herself. But then we went on to talk about how Sean had understood his sole purpose, partly through this conversation, but also by understanding his role within his family of origin. I found that really interesting. So I hope you do too. And maybe there's something to learn here about our education system and some of the changes we might need to make for our children and for the children that are in our care. I'm, I'm a kinesthetic learner. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I did a, a VAC test and my yep. mentor said to me, um, you know, you find it difficult to learn, don't you? What is your, what is your learning? Um, you know, what, what's your learning style? And I, uh, and I, I said, I, I've, I've no idea. I've never looked into that. And she said, okay, do this test. And I did the VAC test. And it's like, oh, everything just fell into place. Yeah. Everything. Right. And are you heavily on the VAC, um, on the kinesthetic scale then? I am very heavily on the kinesthetic tactile learning scale. And, 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 I, and I recognize it because I do not learn anything from um listening to a lecture or listening listening to a podcast it's like it'll go in one ear and out the other so i was useless at school because they didn't offer us anything like you know that kind of hands-on doing things and learning i have to learn a lot from mistakes i've just been doing something with somebody where i have to read i have to watch a video and then i have to read something and 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 i've been doing it i've been doing it completely the wrong way around and you have to do it for 21 days but because I've done it wrong three times, no, two times now, I'm on my third go with it and starting to um, get, ah, oh, I get it. Yeah. To learn from making mistakes and doing it. And now I've got it and I've got it down to perfection. So tell me about you. You know, how do you learn? Well, I, I've done I've done a VAC test um, quite a few years ago, though, now. And it, actually, you've sparked my interest in going back and doing it again to see whether over the years your learning style moves and shifts in, in any way, even just, just sort of in small percentages or not. I can do, there are certain things I do seem to be able to pick up or others where if I'm not physically interacting and, and get my hands dirty and, and actually doing it, I just I struggle to pick it up. I'm a lazy reader. <clears throat> I'm not really good at reading at all on paper or off, off a screen, worse off of a screen. Um, I've even tried to to work by having a monitor that rotates to put it into um, portrait mode, so that you can read like a 
if you can't see, if I can't see a full page on the screen at, at one time, I really struggle to read it because it's just the, the dynamics of scrolling to read. I just lose my interest in it. And and that's that's really, I suppose, impacted me with quite a few courses. I am keen to learn, to continuously learn. I always want to do something new or, you know, to challenge myself with things. It's probably a little bit of shiny object syndrome <laughs> going on in that. I see or hear about something new. Like, I wonder if, and I want to have a go and I want to learn it. And as a result of that, I've done, I've bought lots of online courses and done absolutely nothing with them, Caroline, because... I get so far and it's just, it's not engaging. You know, and that's even with somebody who's quite an engaging speaker, that's okay. But then the other side, the other elements of, of the coursework where you've got to concentrate on the screen and you've got to read through a lot of text and you've got to do things. I just, I really struggle to maintain the, the interest in it. I totally, I, I can totally relate to you that. Yeah, all those online courses that are piled up somewhere. Yeah. Go, we'll get around to it one day, but actually... <laughs> difficult yeah but i think it's led to my particular set of interests which is typically around gadgetry and uh, you know so i fly drones i've got more cameras than you could actually shake a stick at um and, and i'm into all kinds of stuff like that i ended up doing this community radio station because it was kind of gadgetry and it was a project and it was something to physically get get my hands dirty with and you know look at how to do it and to learn the technologies that are behind it um so sitting down and and teaching myself from scratch how the how the radio playout station works and how to do various things with it uh, and then to have all the other volunteers come to me it's like how does this work where does that go what does this do um to you know and to be perceived as that sort of the the announce expert not i want to be the announce expert and I sometimes think, well, I've taught myself this from scratch. You know, you should be able to pick this up. But then I think, but then again, you're a volunteer. So I need to kind of guide you and, and sort of mentor you through the way. Um, on the back of that, I've this year I've actually uh, got onto the program, the Help to Grow program, which is uh, government-led. And it's coaching and mentoring, business coaching and mentoring uh, particularly. And I've done some coaching before. Uh, coaching training some of it was all right others i just lost my way on it and i thought well, if i do this and there's a kind of a there's a requirement to actively coach as well as doing the learning at the same time uh, that that would help because it's the being in a classroom albeit virtually having a load of paperwork to read through but physically planning and, and scheduling and interacting with someone in actual coaching sessions so i'm doing that this year that's uh, that's another one of my little challenges. I'm not chasing the next big sale. I'm not chasing really the next big promotion. I've I've kind of done that, gone up and down the ladder a little bit with the, with the jobs I've done. What were you like in school? Learning in school? I'd say I was probably I was the average kind of person in in school. I, you know, I didn't do I didn't get massive grades, but I didn't get really bad grades. Um, I came out of school with eight O levels, which was not too shabby. I didn't really concentrate a lot. I didn't um I didn't revise very much at all because I didn't cope with reading. You know, I couldn't just sit down with um, you know, whatever learning books they gave us yep. um and study uh, material. I really struggled to do it. 
but I just so I went on what I had observed during class. But when it came to doing GCSEs or O levels for me, actually, given my age away already, uh, but when it came to doing that, the, I I was like I'd probably do about an hour's revision on any one night and then just put it away because I couldn't concentrate beyond that. Right, and it's the concentration, isn't it, that can be very difficult. Mm, yeah. Not, not just yeah. Con the concentration you, you could have for when in movement and, and, and working with something. That's okay, yeah. isn't it, because you're moving. Yeah. But it is. Sitting, I, isn't it, and trying to focus on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can sit and potter with things and do things and be there for hours on end, and, and the day can just slide away, and I've gradually worked through what I'm doing and looked up and looked at the clock and gone, crikey, is it that time already? And because I was fully engaged in it, because it's an interactive thing that I'm doing. And so what what is it in school? What what were the teachers, how, how were they with you when you were, were, were struggling in this way? Did anybody ever say, I think you're struggling with learning in... No. 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 No, and I think that was because... I was kind of in that middle ground where I was smart enough to keep a reasonable pace. And I and there were <clears throat> there were clearly smarter kids in the class and there were clearly kids who were struggling yeah. a lot more than me or were quite challenging. Uh so they got the attention. And then you and I think that tends to always be the case. I, I don't know how you would categorize it, but there's you you've always got your your brightest kids that are there. And then there's this big band. And I would think it's like, if you look at it, the, the old 80-20 principle, 10% of the top end, 80% in the middle that just get by, and 10% at the bottom end that are hard work and challenging and demand the additional support and resource. Um, so if you're in that 80% in the middle, you, you just do what you do. Yeah. So I had, I've never had any uh, offer of support in school where people were like, Sean, you seem to be struggling with this. Um, you know, can we offer you any extra help or can we change the way that we give you material to work with or anything like that? Because I think I just I, I just fit nicely into that mid, probably towards the sort of the upper end of the middle category uh, yeah. if in that description I've given you. So I was smart enough to get by and to, to get decent enough grades um, when we were doing the mocks and building up to it, but not smart enough to drop into the top end and, you know, and get the, uh, I used to mess about the lessons when I wasn't engaged. Well, wasn't, wasn't quite the complete class clown. Um, I had a friend who was now a comedian, which uh, says it all, who took that, he took that crown. Um, but yeah, I did. I used to, I used to, uh, if I wasn't engaged, I used to get, just mess about a little bit and just switch off. What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a policeman. Okay. And that was really clear for you? Yeah. And what happened to that dream? Um, I had a go at it, actually. I did, I did for a while. I, I did a, a kind of a try before you buy. So my journey in that particular area was uh, from a youngster. Um, I think everybody wants to be policemen at some point or, or boys want to be policemen or in the army or something like that there's like you know guns and flashing lights uh but but for me actually as i was getting into that age where i was becoming a lot more aware and um, that's when peter sutcliffe was 
in the headlines. And so I was seeing and hearing this on the news and, and I wanted to, basically, I wanted to be a policeman to catch people like that, you know, and, and to put bad people away and to lock them up. And I've actually been doing, last year I did a, a bit of a public speaking training just to improve self-confidence in other areas more than anything rather to, although I would actually, I think I, I would if I could get into it. I would like to stand and talk to people. Um, I just need to learn something to make it worth talking about. <laughs> How did podcasting come about? Uh, the podcasting came about by uh, getting involved with a psychic medium friend of ours. So both my wife and myself were we were adult instructors with the army cadets, and Andy was the entertainment one night for the for the staff in the mess. And uh, he was a friend of the company commander. They'd both worked together in the prison service for a lot of years. And they brought him along. So we we just, we saw this guy in the bar. We didn't recognize him, but said hello. And then eventually sort of uh, Dean announced who he was. And he, he stood out and started talking to people and giving them readings. And I was just absolutely blown away by the, the amount of clarity that he was drawing and and sharing you know it's that typical thing of seeing the grown man running out of the room crying his eyes out because he'd be told him something really personal and intimate that only he could know right. and you know things that he hadn't shared with with us as as colleagues um so nothing really came from it initially but i was i was kind of like i'd always been a bit of a certainly leaning more towards the sceptical side at that point. But I was like, you know, that that's really blown me away. There's a little bit more to it than what meets the eye. And thought nothing of it. We we met a couple of times at other events. We, we'd gone to support um, a couple of activities that were going on where Andy was the entertainment. So the more I saw of him, the more I sort of admired his gift. And so I... Uh, I decided not too long ago that uh, because we'd got the community radio, it might be an interesting conversation to have with him about getting him on the radio and doing something together so we could kind of open it up and, uh, you know, give him an opportunity, a little bit more um, interest for us and for him by bringing the two together. And we talked about this a little bit last year and um, we were going to get him on and then, Donna had an accident where she fell off a ladder and bust a shoulder at the start of the year. And me and Andy were talking. He wasn't about, I'm, I'm fairly busy, but it's getting to the point where I need a bit of support managing my diary and things. And, and I just, being Mr. Fixer, I went, well, I know somebody who can't do anything at the moment because she's laid up with a bad shoulder. <laughs> so maybe Donna could help. And so from the start of this year, pretty much, we ended up both kind of getting embedded and, and involved in this. So I now do sort of tech support for Andy. When he goes and does a reading, I go along, we mic him up and we record everything. And then individuals who've had a reading, if they want a copy of it to take away, they give us their details. And within two or three days, I've got it all edited down and, and I email their so, um, their particular reading to them. So they've got that permanent memento of of what's what's gone on, and um, it, it sort of developed from there really. And I just like 
you know, we're doing this. We've got the technology involved now. I've got the community radio. The next step really is to is to bring it into the podcasting world and um, not just to cover Andy, but actually to say, well, this whole topic is is so broad and so wide-reaching. Why not do something that gives everybody a, an opportunity to have their say, as it were, or to ask their questions, and then to be able to sort of feed in and out of other uh, people and organisations to find them the answers. So that's where the idea came up of uh, I consider myself a sidekick because I work for him. I'm not anyway in, involved or I don't believe I have any sort of skills or abilities in that field. But so I'm a sidekick, so I call it sidekicks and sidekicks. Oh, fantastic. And um, and then what we do is we've got Andy at that end of the spectrum and other psychic mediums, the people who do uh, spiritual healing, Reiki and, and what have you. Donna actually does Reiki. Um, organizations or individuals that do paranormal investigations, the technology that it sits behind that scientific exploration, uh, the people who make it, how it works, what it does, why it does it, and then all the way through to skeptics who just think it's an absolute load of bull and say, well, have, have you say, explain to us why you think it is. And then one day I want to, to have a room where there's myself, basically as referee, Andy or another psychic medium, a skeptic and a scientific um, paranormal investigator and sit in the room and have a conversation and talk between everybody about what they see, feel, hear and why and believe in the hope that at some point Andy will feel some energy from that person and start a slightly different conversation with them, which they can't deny. Okay. And that's not necessarily to convert them, but just to demonstrate to them that there is more than just what they believe. Yes. And it's up to them whether they choose to sort of believe that any further or any more or do something about it or not, but to at least give them the opportunity to experience it. That's fantastic. It's very fascinating. Hey, so we've gone from this kinesthetic learning to, uh, <laughs> to clairvoyancy. Um, <laughs> and, and it's all the techie stuff in, in between that yeah. because because of your um kinesthetic way of learning you've become yeah. a very technical person and so you're mm -hmm. very useful in these sorts of situations where technology is very much needed and a hands-on sidekick is is really important yeah. and 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 it's often these people who who have these kind of jobs isn't it but mm -hmm. you know any other kinesthetic learners who do you know that's yeah donna my wife is um she's very much so and, and i think um she probably has maybe a stronger recall of of how it's affected her negatively i i think mine's been fairly mild mildly affected but i think Don, right. in donna's experience probably a little bit more um so she'd be it... more than happy to talk to you about that right. oh, getting a couple on together <laughs> one podcast this is fantastic you're a kinesthetic learner i am yeah i'm so happy to meet you because i don't <laughs> hear many people who say yeah i'm a kinesthetic learner too i know about it i understand it i've i've journeyed with it and here you are That's yeah fabulous. so how has it been for you throughout your life i think because i've now worked in education and these things are now well, I want to say they're getting better, but I personally don't think they are. So at school, 
I found that I, I'm not an academic person at all. I'm very creative, so I'm very hands-on. So I struggled with things like science and maths, not English. I love English. I love creative writing and things. But um, <laughs> when I do chemistry and my test tube would be sat there and it would be flat purple and it wouldn't bubble, it wouldn't pop or anything like that because we'd just watch the teacher do it. And he'd come round and it would just be sat there and everybody else would be doing something. He'd go, Wilson, what have you done? I'd go, I don't know, sir. And he'd go, no, you don't, do you? Well, that doesn't help anybody, does it? So it was like, but I needed somebody to sit there with me and go, you do this and then me do it. So to, to watch a demonstration and then have to go and recreate it and somebody say, no, actually, you've got the quantities wrong there, didn't help at all. Um Maths, again, was one of those things where I learned completely differently and I needed somebody to break everything down for me to do it. Um, I'm not stupid at maths. I know when the, the answer is wrong. I'm not stupid at it because I can build spreadsheets and formulas and things like that. I can do all that. And I know if it's giving me the wrong answer. So I know what the answer should be, but it's how to actually get there. And Sean laughs at me that we have two completely different. So we have the same IQ, but two completely different ways of getting there. And he always laughs. And my sister is the same. She learns the same way as me. And he'll say, what's what's 10% of something? And I'll go, I don't know. Half it, half it, half it again. That's 12 and a half percent. We're in a ballpark there. And he'll say, why don't you just move the decimal point? I'll go, because it's 100 and there is no decimal point. That's a whole, you know, so I get the fractions. I do all that. But come to percentages I just can't seem to master it at all I can't I can't do math I am I'm used yeah. to <laughs> can't do numbers can't do mathematics could never do it as a kid um can't manage money stuff easily it's been one of the banes of my life numbers it's too structured yeah it's too structured isn't it well whatever it is I can't do it and I yeah and I do try um and and yes calculators and all the rest of it do help these days but um, it's not been easy, not been an easy. No, time. not at all. I know at school in, in maths lessons that I wouldn't put my hand up. That was the one subject I would never put my hand up and say, I don't get this because I didn't want um, people to go, oh, you think you're stupid and everything like that. They may have been feeling the same way, but I didn't I didn't want that the spotlight being on me. And consequently, I actually didn't do a maths exam until my adult years I actually did my maths in 2008 mm -hmm. and I did it in in an adult learning um environment and I passed it within five weeks I passed it yeah. because they taught us differently to what we did at school because she actually had what kind of learner are you okay wow. and maybe that's something we need at school is those little tests to find out what kind of learner the child is yes yeah, well, that would make total sense, wouldn't it? I mean, we've always had the SATs. It just has a name now. But perhaps when they do that, they actually go, we just need this other little test, but this will decipher what kind of learner your child is so we can offer them the best education. Perfect. There, You've just given the answer to you know to our education system well that's it yeah you know it's not it's not difficult it's common sense but you have to work in that environment to see it for yourself yeah yeah I get it I get it well I didn't get any um qualifications from school I left school with 
I think I got a grade to CSE um, in English. That was it. Oh, I left with four CSEs and English wasn't even one of them. Oh, well. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't I didn't do well at all. School was not my forte. But I learned a lot of life skills after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where it's got me. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you know what? I think that the life skill side of thing is something that needs to be looked at for children as well. Uh, I forget Shakespeare, forget Dickens. You know, we don't need those now. In my opinion, to me, unless you're answering questions on a quiz, you don't actually need that because that's not going to help you in life. Never anywhere in life have I ever used Shakespeare or Dickens, but I have had to fill out a check. I have had to do online banking. I have had to work out interest rates and things like that. And I have had to sort of manage my household bills and learn how to do that and go into debt because of it. So, you know, to, to reduce those issues, I think we should have those sorts of lessons and teaching kids how to actually manage in life. I find now they teach you different ways in school how to do maths, which is ideal. But if I need to... Well, I'll give you an example. Um, when we were in cadets, we were cadet instructors and there was just some lessons I could not deliver because I couldn't remember how to put a sling on a on a weapon because we didn't do it that often. And the kids would often sit there and go, Mom, we'll show you how to do it. And I had to sit there and go, how do I do it? And they'd go, right, do this, miss. And I I just have to be hands-on. I can't follow instructions. I can't, I can't read something and go, right, I know what I'm doing. I need somebody to show me what I'm doing and I need to do it. Mm. So Sean's a prime, a prime example when I go, this isn't working on the computer. And he'll go, oh, da, 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 da. and I'll go, right, now you need to tell me what you did and let me do it for me to yeah. learn. And it's that letting you do it. So you yes. put it in your body physically and sometimes repeat it over and over. But yes, it's repetition. Yeah. 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 So so as a, as a small child, you know, even preschool and, and the like, how 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 were you within your family? Um, okay, really, because my mum's really good with things like that. Um, she's always involved me in cooking and things like that. That's never been an issue. Um, and I was an only child up to being 12, so I was quite happy. I've always been very imaginative, so I've always been quite happy to sit and have all my toys lined up and be the school teacher or the shopkeeper or something like that. I've always loved doing things like that. And, and I never had a problem reading books. If it's a well-written book, I have the imagination to build it in my mind and see what that writer is saying. So I love to read books and, and things like that. But that's something different to an instruction manual. So when, when I wanted a new computer, Sean builds computers. So he said, we'll build a computer. And I went, well, you have to let me do it. You tell me what to do. You tell me where to put things, but I want to do it. Don't sit there because I will just be bored, you know. And uh, and I run a craft group now. And um, ladies will, will say to me, oh, so many people have tried to teach me how to crochet. And I've never mastered it. And, and, and I've set them off and they're away. And they're like... But I, no, I've never been able to do it before. And I went, the difference is I let you do it. I will tell you how to do it. And then I will sit and then say, right now, put your wool over the hook. Now pull that through. I said, so the muscle memory, you're not just watching somebody and trying to do it and then think I can't do this. 
I says, and we go as fast as the slowest person. It's as simple as that. There's no good racing ahead. You'll never get there. And they're away and they're crocheting and they're like, I've never been able to do it. Nobody's had the patience. And I think it's not even having the patience. You might just be a different learner. Oh, I think that I, might just be the way you learn. I love the way you talk about that. And that, yes, it's that muscle memory, isn't it? Yeah. As an educator, you've, you've understood this. I found out some years ago and, and then it all made sense to me about myself, but there's so much I want to learn more about regards being a kinesthetic learner and a tactile learner. Um, and you're explaining it so well. What do you think the schooling system needs, the education system needs regards the, this particular issue? I think, I mean, from my own experience, I worked in schools for uh, a number of years and I used to work one-on-one -on -one with children. And um, I, I would have my own book. When we started a new lesson or a new term um, and I'd go in with kids and they, they'd give all the stuff to the kids and I'd go, could I have a book, please? And they'd go, well, why do you need a book? And I went, because if I do it as well, I can then be a, re a revision resource for them because I've done it, I've understood it, but to sit here and watch them and just try and help them isn't really going to work for me. It was like doing my education all over again. The problem I found was that when you're going into academies, it's like one size, one size fits all. Well, kids aren't a one size fits all. We're all different learners. You will get the academic people that can sit and read a manual and go, oh yeah, I can do that. And then you get people that just look at it and go, I don't even know, this is just words on a page. I don't even know what it's saying to me. And I think that they're failing the kids by doing that and teaching just one way. Because those, those kids that are the creative kids and not the academic kids and the kinesthetic learners are sitting there and they're getting um, further and further down the line. So when you've got a one-on-one -on -one for an autistic person or somebody with ADHD or somebody with just different learning styles and that person understands them that child will come on leaps and bounds because a you're investing in that child and they're, they're like this person understands me and actually I might not understand the lesson but I know she's going to sit and work with me or he's going to sit and work with me and tell me a different way to do it so I will get it yeah yeah and and of course it, you know kinesthetic learners are a minority aren't they they're, yes it's a very low number very low percentage of people are kinesthetic learners. So it's not that noticeable, hey? No, it isn't. And uh, it was, it's really frustrating sometimes. Gosh, I relate to this so much. <laughs> and, and you know, you keep emphasizing, let me do it. Yeah. That is the key thing that people need to grasp, isn't it? Let me do it or let yes. them do it. It's yeah. got to be through the muscle. It's got to be that that physical connection to something in order to grasp it hey the people that want to pass on the knowledge but don't have any idea how to do that and then they become frustrated mm. and things exactly exactly and and little children learn by you know just learning to walk you get up doing you step you fall down you get up yeah take two steps fall down you just keep going keep going it's it's naturally in us yeah it? yeah so where that gets taken away from us when we enter into a school system that's when it starts to separate us i would imagine into the, yes the different kind of learning skills and it's not it's not developed for all kinds it's just one kind because that's the majority hey the, the, yes the visual learners yeah 
So what would you say to parents, to school teachers now? Like what, what is the message? It's the people above and it's the education system itself that is we're going to we're going to do it this way. This is the way that it needs to be done. And this is usually people that I don't know, left school, went to university, got a degree, went into politics and sit behind a desk and actually don't get into schools and see that the effect of what they're saying does. So when you've got a class of kids that go and they don't they don't have the um it's DT now, design technology. Um, they don't have those kind of subjects or they don't have cooking or they don't have the the creative um, out, outlet, I suppose, is, is what I'm looking for. And it's constant academia. These kids are then becoming bored and they think, I hate school. I don't want to go to school because they're not getting anything out of it. It's not an enjoyable experience for them. And the teachers, or not the teachers, not that's not the teachers, the education system is not recognising that. It's like, well, if you aren't an academic person, you shouldn't really come to our school then. And it, But we have such a, a big section of kids that aren't all going to be scientists they aren't all going to be doctors they aren't going to have these academic professions we are going to have the plasterers the big the bricklayers and things like that and that are that is made up from people that are kinesthetic learners and they like the tactile kind of side of things to to help them mm. to build I I don't want to sit there sort of I wouldn't want to be a doctor I wouldn't want to be a teacher to be quite honest with you but just helping kids to to find themselves in a different way to do it from what the the system's saying well it's got to be this way it's it's too structured mm. and it's it's it, I don't know it's kind of splitting kids and I think this is why we get kids that then start to play truant because it's the system that fails them mm. if you sit and talk to them and say what is it you don't like about school and they'll they'll probably say because it's I'm no good at school I'm rubbish I'm thick and it's it's not that they're thick they just learn differently. But as little children, how are we going to identify what kind of learning skills they have and what their learning abilities are? I, I really don't know what the answer is, and I and I feel that while ever teachers because there are teachers there are teachers that are. You'll, you'll remember your teachers from school. You'll remember the names of the teachers that inspired you and took the time with you and everything. And um, there's there's teachers out there that are absolutely phenomenal at what they do, but the schools they work in, they'll go, no, you must teach this way. You must teach this way. You must teach this way. And that's when you get these section of kids that are always in isolation because they're, they're causing ructions in the class because they're bored, you know? And it it's it's very sad that we've got to this stage to me we've we've gone we've gone miles back from even when I was at school because my teachers were when you put your hand up you go miss I don't understand or say I don't understand and the 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 set somebody to work with you you know somebody who did get it and and even now kids will say to me miss you are really good I got that and I'll go because I learn like that. I understand that you are not getting that. So I'm showing you how I would do it as an adult. But back in the days when we had remedial classes because kids couldn't read, therefore they couldn't write. Well, that's because they were probably dyslexic. Right. 
Nice. You know, and it's taken years and somebody going, actually, there is th- these children are not stupid. They're not thick. They're not remedial. There is an issue there. Yeah. And actually, if you look into the child psychology of things, um, which I did do when you end up with these sort of unruly kids that get taken out and you sit and talk to them and you say, why are you doing this? And it's like, because I know they're going to ask me to read right, let's do a simple test here. And you find that actually, well, the letters are jumping out all all over the place, Miss, I can't understand this, you know, and it's, oh, actually, this colour works for me, simple test. And then you set that child off and you go to the teacher and go, they need it on lilac, you'll find a difference now. And that kid then, oh, he's reading books and all sorts because he's got a a lilac overlay or his work set on lilac paper and it's just having somebody to find the time to find out what the issue is. So, so interesting, isn't it? And I wonder, I just had this idea that if you ask a child to show another child something, or you ask them to teach another child or show them how to do something, they would use the way that they know how to learn. Yeah. Show that child. So you could actually learn from that, couldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Buddy up, you know, buddy up and... Because we, we don't hear much about it, do we? We hear a lot about ADHD and we, we hear about dyslexia and those sorts of things these days. Yep. There's not much about how we learn and our learning abilities and, and the kind of learner that we are. And similarly, if you get somebody who is an academic person and not a creative and can do from something from instructions, they would probably get frustrated because the way that we learn goes too slow for them. Yeah, and then going on into adulthood and struggling with, with yeah, with our abilities then. And but but also finding solutions. I know for me, I found solutions in what I do. You know, I'm very creative, so I you know I've, I've mapped out my own body of work so that I can help people learn in different ways. Um, I use creativity. I use writing and uh, creating artwork and and the like, just because then we're hands on and. And we dance and we move and we stay in yep. and that takes us away from that overthinking kind of trying yeah. to analyze trying to work things out because we're just not going to get it that way because it's not going to work like that so yeah it's been it's been quite a passion of mine for a long time to get people being creative and get people yeah we learn differently yeah and what are you doing these days what's your so oh i have a number of jobs to be honest with you so um I run a community centre, um, which I took on three uh, last year. We've just had our first birthday, actually. Uh, it was an old youth club that was closed and I took it on. And using my creativity, I revamped the whole place mm. um, for less than £500. I am that creative. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and and now we're like fully booked. So we've just got kids cooking in. Um, I'm here today. So we've got kids cooking in over the six weeks holiday and they are cooking. So the instructor is showing them and then they do it. Yeah. And she just sort of supervises and tells them what to do. And then the parents are here, so they'll feed the parents and everything. Wow. So um, we have that going on. Um, I'm a PA to a psychic medium. I have my own business. I'm a radio presenter. I've got lots going on, lots oh, going on. Which is the radio? <laughs> what radio is it's, it? It's Rockingham Radio. Rocking and... Rockingham Radio. Rockingham Radio. So we'll Yeah, get... we're on the internet, yeah. We'll get some links down here that uh, to show both for yourself and Sean. 
Thank you so much, Donna. This has been a really great um, conversation. I've learned so much and thank you for coming and being on here. Thank you. I think the problem sometimes with being a kinesthetic learner, when you do something, you don't always get it just by doing it once. It's The repetition is really what makes things properly stick. To show somebody certain things where it's it's kind of like a one-time fix and the problem might never come back again is quite challenging. Um, but yeah, certainly in other ways and in other things, it's quite amusing that she has this expectation that because I'm a man, I know how to do certain things. Uh, you know, the, the, I suppose there are certain things that just seem to, well, you just do it because it's intuitive. But um, she, she'll ask me, like, man, <laughs> that's her favourite saying is, man, at which point I know that she needs my intervention or she needs me to come and show her how something works. It's not so widely known or understood about this particular, these learning skills. Yeah. And when I, when I learned that, um, I think it's, is it something like 85% of the population of visual learners, then of course we're going to be geared towards that kind of learning. Mm. Yeah? And it's going to be expected of most people. And that the other 15%, well, you've got the, the next, what is it? Something like 10% are um, auditory learners. Yeah. yeah. And then, then we've got a very small percentage of kinesthetic learners. It's a very small number of the population. And, and, yeah. and even within that, some people are gustatory and olfactory, isn't it? Through smell and taste, which that is a very small number that we are an absolute minority. So mm. why would we be catered for, actually? But <laughs> it still makes a lot of people, even that small percent, there's a lot of people yeah. in the world who really struggle with this and have struggled since childhood with this yeah. kind of learning. And it's not catered for, it's not worked with, we're not given the support or even the acknowledgement that we might need. And, the, and it, it does shift and change, I think, through life, or we adapt to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think adapting to it is probably a good yeah. a good way of referencing that, to be honest. Yeah, because I've certainly had to find some of my own solutions, but I, I'm more heavily kinesthetic learning, I think, now than I ever have been. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just because I recognize it and I understand it and I know I yeah. have to do things differently. Whereas before I would just shrink in the corner and go, Well, I can't get it, therefore, you know, I can remember trying to learn a particular dance step, um, and it took me a year before after repeating 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 that i actually got it because i got it in my body once it was yeah. in my body and i could move with it um then it was like oh i found it i know it now but my body yeah. needed to know it not my head not my thinking mind not even watching other people it was just the doing of it repeat, yeah. repeat, repeat just like you said i think in some ways it defines our pathway as well but um you know it maybe takes us quite a few years to realise that that's what it is. But so what yeah. is your sole purpose, do you think? Mine, I, I think certainly is, uh, it's helping other people. Is I, I feel I'm very much on a path with that right now um, in that I, I achieve by helping others. Were, were you always like that? Were you like that as a child? Did you help others when you were a child? I was a middle one of five. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of like I'm 
always find the balance in things and and that always um probably meant that I was probably pulled a little bit in in directions you know for, for older siblings and younger ones and uh and as a family we uh, we fought, we had uh, a lot of years fostering mum and dad so they had five kids of their own and about 35 of other people's over the years and uh, so not all at once no but you could I, I could quite literally go to school one morning say goodbye to one child come home in the afternoon and say hello to a different one and um, and and it was particularly predominantly really young uh, children that they were looking after so it's um you know sort of emergency care respite care those types of things um we had one for i think we had him for about a year and a half and mum and dad they were so attached to him they wanted to adopt him and um social services wouldn't allow him to adopt because they were frightened that they'd lose them as foster parents if they adopted one wow did you help look after these kids yeah so you you were already developing a, a little helper. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we do, don't we? we some of these patterns, they do come from childhood and they show us part of our own journey, mm -hmm. what we're growing into, and that learning to look after and help other people. Yeah. Big part. And, and I think, kind of dropping back into the podcast very briefly, yeah. that again it's 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 kind of a for me it's a, a journey of learning and discovery i've become a lot more open to this in in the in recent years and even more so in the last sort of nine months and one of the drivers behind the podcast topic is that i can learn more about the subjects and form new opinions and uh you know and, and uh, develop through doing that as well as making it educational for other people and so there's kind of a link there which i'm making now having this conversation with you uh, to, based on what you've just asked me about my childhood uh, but one of the things in conversations i've had with other people that have done past life regression and and um and what have you uh, and they talk about how things that have happened in in the younger years or even in previous incarnations can have blocks on us or can influence what we are doing in this current um in our current being or current existence whatever way you want to look at it and and it's extremely fascinating it really is when you start having the conversations and there's your reference there back to sort of childhood and parents it just made me think there of how that possibly is more contributory to what i'm doing now and what, how i've been over the last few years than what i ever even imagined there you go and so you being a middle child do you, do you still find yourself trying oh yeah to yeah and i'm a libran as well oh, oh there you <laughs> go so you're all yeah. about balance yeah, all about yeah balance. completely completely yeah Isn't that interesting i'm a middle child and i get that i mean i really work with polarity you know i've got an older brother younger sister uh -huh. I, three, I had three sons and three daughters you know i'm i'm, I'm in this constant kind of oh yeah, yeah. let's keep the balance <laughs> Yeah, and it's it it turns you into a bit of an edge walker, you know, yeah. walk the edge between society and and otherworldliness, and yeah, for, and and that's interesting in itself because yeah. you're now engaging with the clairvoyancy, this otherworldly stuff, and taking mm -hmm. in that, but you're also holding the very practical um, side of things, the technology, 
yeah so there yeah. again is another balance between these worlds of the, yeah. the material and the spiritual in a sense yeah so fascinating journey really that it, is, it all it all links up doesn't it mm. yeah so um i'll take you back to the conversation we had about wanting to be a policeman yeah, and I'll just tell you a little bit more about that. And uh, and that was a subject I did when I was doing my um, public speaking training. I, I, I used that journey, I suppose, and, and a bit of a transition in my mindset as well. So I grew up wanting to be a policeman because of the Peter Sutcliffe uh, situation that was kind of a dominant uh, episode in my life. Um, and then you talk about synchronicity as well. Some of the training that I've done was with Richard McCann, who's um, a very prominent public speaker and educator in in, um, in that circle. But his mum was one of Peter Sutcliffe's victims, uh, thought to be the first victim, and he was five years old when it happened. And and so he talks about that and how his, his journey has sort of gone up and down, backwards and forwards, and, and, uh, and he uses that uh, for, for keynote speaking and stuff. Uh, but he's a fantastic educator. Uh, I've absolutely loved his courses that I've done. Um, and it, and it was kind of that helped me piece together that particular story of my own about the the police side of things. So I wanted to be a policeman. I'd got this thing, this mindset of I wanted to lock people up. And in 1992, as I was exploring, I want I was in a job I loved, so I didn't really want to leave it, but I still want to be a policeman. And that's when I discovered that um, the special constabulary existed and you could be a police officer on, on a part-time voluntary basis. So I was exploring doing that. And then um, in June 92, there was a fatal shooting of a special constable just outside Tadcaster, uh, which was um, Glenn Goodman. So you might know that name from the past. And that was like, oh, uh, do I really want to do this? Yeah, and that, and that was related to the um, that was uh, IRA related shooting. So that sort of put the brakes on a little bit, and I had a bit of a, a rethink. But once I'd processed it, and it was like, well, actually, I can't control. That's an event that you couldn't actually ever control mm. or influence. And why would I let things I can't control or influence stop me doing what I want to do? So I carried on and I pressed on. And so I joined the Special Constabulary um, in York, and I did that for six and a bit years before moving out of the area and um, and having a, a, a little boy. So in and out of a couple of different voluntary roles over the years, but then I got into the Army Cadets, and I, I kind of like, I enjoyed doing the police thing, but my career was going in different places, and... Uh, I'd had laser surgery on my eyes as well uh, to, at one point, and that kind of precluded me from applying uh, and joining. I don't, I don't think it's quite so significant these days, but at the time it was. So I carried on doing that, and then I got into the Army Cadets, and I saw a whole new world of that, showing the youngsters between 12 and 18, lots of life skills, you know, things that they'll take away forever and, and just become, you know, they become leaders before the time really in doing that when they progress and seeing how they, they flourished. And I kind of changed my mindset from that in the past where I'd wanted to lock people up. Yeah. And I saw doing that as unlocking people, yeah. you know, 
opening the minds and, and giving them skills and abilities. So that's kind of my mindset. Now is all about unlocking people and giving them skills and educating them in other ways uh, or influencing them, even if, if it's only in some small way. Yeah. Um, so that's that's where my journey sort of took a bit of a turn. Yeah, that's so lovely. And, and it sounds like, you know, some of those little kids that came to you from dysfunctional families and difficult situations in their lives and problem families, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, there's a little route there yeah. as well, isn't there, that these kids... Yeah helping and need that support and they do and a massive amount of kids that go through the army cadets are are in the care system in some way shape or form um and it's it's a really high proportion and the the one thing that that gives them is is structure and discipline something that quite often they lack at home um then you've got a few that just want to be there because they want to be there and and others are there because they're actually quite bright kids but they're disruptive because they're not being um, they're not being suitably challenged within their educational environment. It's not stimulating enough for them. So they go, the mums and dads are like, "He's a really bright kid, but he's a pain in the ass." Da 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 da. Uh, can you do something with him? You know, and and it's again, it's structure, um, you know, and uh, guidelines or, or, or boundaries rather that that they have to fit within. And all of a sudden, they just they change into such different characters, and and see them sort of go from being, um, you know, certainly some of them they they're like a little um, little caterpillar, all sort of bundled up in the cocoon and and really frightened, but flourish into this beautiful butterfly as as they grow and 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 learn, mm-hmm. and develop and become such stronger willed, um, and and start to feel a purpose. And I wonder how many of these kids were actually kinesthetic learners or auditory mm. and weren't able yeah. to. It'd be quite interesting, actually, that. Yeah, and it, it doesn't necessarily mean just just because you're that kind of learner doesn't mean that you're not clever or you're. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm kinesthetic learner. I've written six books. I'm on my seventh book. I, you know, published them. I've I've set up a whole business of my own and models of work and and maps and all kinds of things it doesn't mean that you can't do stuff it just means you have to do it a different way differently yeah it sounds like for these kids to get into their bodies to do that physical you know kind of work that they would have yeah. to do in the cadets would be really beneficial yeah. they would just come into themselves in that way like you say the butterfly just emerging so beautiful to consider that wow really lovely so yeah, what what would you say to the listeners here if if they are struggling with their learning or they've got kids who struggle with learning? What would you say to them from your experience to help give them a bit of guidance or support? From my perspective, uh, definitely, I would say try try to to source some way of testing learning style so that you you, you can you can shortcut it basically if you actually do that. I mean, I, I did learning style assessment as an adult. Yeah, and it's so very I'd, easy I'd, to get onto it. I mean, just look up VAK, yeah. VAK yeah. testing. It's online. It's it's not a difficult thing to do. Yeah. So, but in, yeah. in my experience, I, I therefore missed out on, I would say, at least 10 to 15 years worth of potential understanding of my style of learning. Mm. Now, what I may have been doing today would be completely different most likely, had I learnt about that style of learning 15 years earlier. Yeah. So that absolutely determines or influences 
the path that, that you take in life. But if you understand it, then it might still influence the path that you take. But it might just be, you know, instead of taking the left fork or the first left down a windy road, you take the second left down a dual carriageway where you can accelerate your capabilities and learning because you're aware of what you need to do. Exactly. And so that, that will help to determine a, a better path to suit your capabilities and abilities, mm. uh, at which case you can accelerate your learning. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and for parents with children, it's like, well, get them doing, get, get them active, get them dancing, painting, yeah. creative, anything like that, where they can be hands on getting their yep. feet in the soil or whatever it is that you need to do to, to, to help them to learn, literally help them to learn in that respect. Mm. So important. And I was very fortunate. I danced all the way through my life and uh, had a lot of time outdoors. Uh, if I hadn't had that, I'm not sure where I would have gone. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could never have done that. I have a love of music, but no rhythm whatsoever. Ah, everybody can dance. Sean. I've got my wires crossed somewhere between my head and my feet. Absolutely. I, I don't believe it. Everybody <laughs> can dance. People tell me they've got they've got three left feet, and I say no. You yeah. can't. You can dance. <laughs> <laughs> I won't have it. <laughs> you can do your kind of dance. Yeah. But it's been so interesting, and I love really, really love to see where your journeys. Um, progressed and come to and in, in how you've learned to, to find the solutions for yourself and and bring yourself into, into into something that's useful for others and that you share with others that you contribute to others and no matter the difficulties you found your way through that and I think wow your life story definitely has that kind of golden thread I always call it mm -hmm. very beginning from all that you know just yeah. the process that you went through as a child and then you, know, you just see how it maps itself out hey the soul's contract is very very strong yeah and it does it just feeds into everything that we do yeah so beautiful thank you so much for sharing thank you and i've really enjoyed it sean wonderful thank great. you very much for having me on thank you so much great thank you so much for listening right to the end i hope you enjoyed that podcast and remember you can be in touch with myself or this speaker my website is middleearthmedicine.com. We have a wonderful membership platform that you can join for just £5 a month. And we have lots of recordings and interesting information that we can share with you there, plus meeting online with regular groups. You can also find the details of our speaker in the box below with their links, their websites, and a little bit of information about them. Thank you for joining me and being part of this Middle Earth Medicine community. I hope you'll listen to our next show. Please follow, share, like, whatever you can do to help this community to grow. We really appreciate you. Thank you.